I'm a dude, and I'm inviting you to join me on a podcast about brews. Does that include stouts? Yes. Yes, of course it includes stouts. Like I was saying, join us every Saturday on the journey hey, hey, into... Hey, co- wait a minute. Do you, do you guys do anything about, like, IPAs? Yes. Like that? Yes, of, yes, of, yes, we do IPAs. Okay. It's, okay. It, yes. Anyway, join us on the Journey into Comics Network for Brews with Dudes. Whoa, whoa, po- hey, hey, do you... Have you guys ever... Do you care if I bring some Zima on? Yes, I care if you bring Zima. Zima doesn't count. Zima... Oh. Zima... Dr. Dongo. Anyway, join us every Saturday for a podcast that delves into the craft brew world. The following... The following... The journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Crucial Tunes. Today it's the Podfather Nate filling in for Chris and Larry. They are off on other adventures. And quite frankly, I thought they deserved a little bit of a uh, vacation. They've had a lot of craziness happening, a lot of change in their world. Uh, If you guys haven't heard, Chris is stepping down as the lead singer for Get By. Uh, I think he mentioned that on the last episode. I hope he did. Sorry if I took that from you, Chris. I didn't mean to, uh, if that's the case. But these guys have been hard at work and putting out a really awesome show known as Crucial Tunes. You guys love it. And I thought, you know... Instead of having some guests today and talking about all kinds of different things, and it would be more interesting, in my opinion, to actually reflect on my musical journey as far as the bands that got me into music as I'm into music today, the origins of what I fell in love with. The story of that is very interesting in and of itself because I remember being a kid and getting the Columbia House uh, advertisement through the mail, and it was like you could pick a bunch of CDs, they'd send them to you for a penny, and then you had to buy one CD for like 20 bucks or something. Which, whatever, I liked music. I was already a fan of music because I grew up in a household where we just always had music on. You were always listening to music in the car, you were always trying to guess the bands that were on the radio, you you know, any, any kind of thing that we could do. My dad was very musical and definitely pushed me into that world. Not like forcefully, but he definitely just made music such a part of everything that we were always doing. So get the Columbia House ad, and I'm like, man, I'm just going to pick all the awesome-looking album art, or anytime I heard a friend say, like, oh, I like this band, I'd be like, oh, well, you know, I haven't probably really ever heard that band, so I'll just get their CD too. You know, and I remember I was very happy with my selections. I was also very nervous for them to come in Almost every album I picked had a parental advisory on it, and I was like, well, hopefully I can get these past Dad, and he's not going to get too upset, uh, which luckily he didn't. So let's go ahead and dive into it. What were some of those choices? Um, now, the, the time frame is 2001, I do believe, give or take a couple months. It might have been like early 2002 or late 2001, uh, or maybe summer of 2001, but I remember I, I, I picked up... Uh, through the Columbia House, I selected the Blink-182 album Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. I also got Slipknot's Iowa. 
uh, System of a Down's Toxicity, Tool's Lateralis, Tenacious D's self-titled first album, and then I also got Dre's Chronic 2001, Dr. Dre Chronic 2001. So I'm not just going to be like, okay, guys, that's all I'm talking about. Woo! I actually want to dive into these albums and what, and because they all kind of have like personal history with me and memories and things of that nature. But also, some of these things are rooted in what musically drove me to be who I am. Uh, I also want to show you or talk to you guys about some of the songs that maybe didn't necessarily sell the album. They weren't the singles, they weren't the hits, but they were the songs that to me made those albums better than some of the other stuff I was listening to at this same time. So if we're traveling back to the first one I mentioned, I mentioned uh, Blink-182, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Uh, you know, that album as a whole has a special history in my heart because it's the first album that I learned every single bass line on. It was also the first instrument that I played along to a CD ever was the bass. So here I am like 13, four, actually I was 14 and a half when this happened because I'd had the album for a while and I liked it and I decided I wanted to get a bass and I remember that I start, I started working my job at McDonald's to get the bass and when I finally got the bass I was like I'm going to just start figuring out this Blink-182 album. I'd listen to the songs so I was like I know the songs well enough now I'm just going to try to like either figure it out by ear or by tab or however Whatever method I could come up with, you know, it wasn't like I could just go on YouTube and watch somebody and have them teach me. I had to use very basic at the time tabs that weren't like playing the song for you. Uh, and I don't mean that by like it was doing all the work. I'm saying that now you can just plug in a tab and it will literally play the melody that is showing on the tab. So you can hear if it sounds like the song you're trying to play. So sometimes you would get tabs and they would be fucking awful and not right at all. And you'd just be like, well, who was trying to figure this out? Why'd you do such a hard thing? Which in turn made me realize that I could actually listen by a lot of my ear power and decipher things that maybe not the tabs had. I could go, oh, well, they probably just did this here and it would make sense. So have Blink-182's Take Off Your Pants and Jacket album and I listened to it over and over and, and figured the bass lines out to the point where I could confidently play along to the whole album. Just put it on, play the whole album, and be done. And I would invite friends over and be like, check this out, this is fucking cool. And, sh and quote unquote show off. And, and, and how neat was that? But that kind of gave me the, the confidence that I could pick up any song if I put my mind to it. And I tried to be in a band with a couple of my buddies. We played some of the Blink-182 songs from Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. And I thought we had a really good chemistry and energy, but maybe we sounded bad. I don't know, you know? I didn't really uh I didn't really record it back then. We don't have any, you know, archives of what it sounded like. But it was still my first band experience and that album is still to this day one of my favorites. There are so many different songs I could say especially make it for me. You know, they had some hits off of that album, uh Rock Show and uh First Date and Give Me One Good Reason because that was on the American Pie soundtrack. But, um, oh, and Stay Together for the Kids was another one of the singles, which was a little bit more of their ballady song. Uh, but ultimately for me, the song on this album that made it for me, made it probably my favorite, was Short Story of a Lonely Guy. A lot of that was, of course, I was a kid. I was a little bit of an outcast. I didn't have the easiest time at the time with girls, let's say. Um, so I did feel this 
being a lonely dude who's really attracted to ladies or, or you know, um, who really thought, oh, I would love to be in love. Like, that must be a great feeling, but I wasn't finding it. So this song really resonates with me, and even to this day, I can put this song on and get moved. Not, to, not necessarily to tears or anything of that nature, but, like, you know, you're listening to a song and it gives you goosebumps because it can actually take you back and you can remember where you were when you first heard it. And, uh, you know, I was up in my bedroom at my dad's house with my boombox playing CDs and putting that on. And then, you know, when he was at work, once he start, you know, when he was working the night shifts and stuff, I would go downstairs with my bass amp, put that on his stereo system and jam out for real. And it felt really good and big and awesome. So if you haven't had a chance yet to check out Blink-182's Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, I mean, it's crazy to think that album is only two years from being 20 years old. Like, holy shit, time flies, you know? But uh, all in all, you know, Blink kind of fell off the radar for me as far as musical enjoyment. This was their last album that I really got into. Uh, Mark, Tom, and Travis show, or Mark, Travis, and Tom, I think it was Mark, Tom, and Travis show, uh, was another album that was great. Uh, Enema of the State was great. Uh, you know, but after that, like, they kind of turned to the more emo thing, and then they turned into, you know, they went Angels and Airwaves became a thing. And, you know, another iteration of Blink that I thought was really spectacular was Boxcar Racer. If you haven't heard that album, uh, please go immediately listen to it because it will uh, impress you. It's so, it's absolutely so good. There is is one of the best songs and you know again boxcar racer a band that not a lot of people probably remember i would say but uh in a lot of ways i think people would clamor for that now more than what we're getting from blink 182 which is unfortunate to say you know those guys could be really something different and special at this era in their lives and i think that they just don't give a fuck and that's not necessarily a bad thing but it is what it is anyways let's move on Another album that really resonated with me in my collection of uh, Columbia House firsts when I'm first diving into the world of music was Slipknot, Iowa. True story. I only bought that because some cool kids at school mentioned Slipknot. I thought I saw Slipknot. I'd actually seen Skid Row because I was a naive kid and had no idea. Uh, I wanted to be cool like these said people. So when I saw the album of this the album art with the goat on it, I was like, yes, please. I have no idea what Slipknot sounds like. I couldn't just go run to the internet and listen to all their different music or whatever at that time, you know? So a little bit of a different world. So when this comes in, this is the one that like, you know, I put it in and it's got like the little weird intro music that's not really a song as the first track. And the first actual track is People Equals Shit. And that is just a rip-roaring, kick-you-in-the-face-and-fucking-tear-the-door-down type song. And I was, like, blown away. Like, what is this music? I couldn't stop listening, though. And then Disaster Piece was next. And then, obviously, Left Behind, which, oddly enough, I didn't realize at the time was Slipknot. They had just released that um, single, or they had the had played it a couple times. Not Left Behind. It was uh, My Plague. My Plague, because it was from... Uh, Resident Evil, yeah, yeah. So they, they, you know, the My Plague uh, single drops, and it's really fucking awesome. And I'm like, this band is going to be amazing. So then, you know, as you listen through this album, though, it evolves and changes, and you get different moods and different feelings from this band, and different emotions come out. 
I Am Hated is another track that resonates. And again, just talking about how no matter what I'm going to do or be, I'm going to be a target to people because it's just my lot in life. And it was at that time, again, as a kid resonating with me. But that wasn't the song that really hit it for me off of Iowa. If there was a song that sold the album for me beyond Left Behind, which was one of the singles, and like I said, My Plague, which was the other, and that Left Behind video when that came out was awesome to watch. It was creepy, and, and I loved it. But the song that really did it for me on this album was Everything Ends. Um, and, you know, this is the end of everything. You are the end of everything. Like, some of the, just the lyrical content of that song, the riffs, um, the drums actually are killing in that song. They just have this like kind of tribal thing, and then they've got like a little bit of the the drumline-y feel to it. That's not really what I'm saying, but like again, if you've listened to this song, and if, if of course if you haven't, please do uh, because it really, musically speaking, just hit it for me. There was something about it that captured me and every time I hear everything ends whether it's a live version whether it's when I saw them live or or just hearing the song from Iowa listening back it transports me immediately and makes me feel that uh that loner feeling that I had when I was a kid back then so to go right along and just jump right into the the next uh album that that came along with this journey was, I said it a second ago, Toxicity by System of a Down. Many of you like this album. I mean, it, it was one of the you know, best albums of our generation, arguably speaking. Uh, you know, that was a band that the reason I bought that was not because the cool kids liked it, but I saw the video for Chop Suey, and I was like, that song's awesome. That drum beat's awesome. The guitar riff is awesome. Like, please, I need to hear this band more. And it was really cool because I didn't. I was kind of naive to what I was getting into. They had already had an album out prior to that, but I wasn't into the band at that time. I would later go on to be huge into System of a Down and have every album they've ever released and, uh, you know, really followed their career quite closely. But Toxicity was one of those gems that had not just... Uh, it didn't just have great music. It had a very powerful message. Every song was saying something more than just singing the lyrics at you. You could really uncover uh, a deeper meaning from Serge and Darren and the members of System of a Down when they were writing this album. Uh, I can remember, you know, God, every song on that CD is it just got something that I, I it resonates with me. Uh Multiply, Jet Pilot, Deer Dance, uh, Prison Song, fucking Bounce, Science, I mean, Shimmy, fucking Toxicity itself. Every song on that album is amazing. Uh, and, you know, one of those albums that honestly played on repeat a lot. And I mean, I would sit and and very, very, very fond memories of this. I would sit upstairs playing my Nintendo 64 Madden 2001. It was a blue cartridge. And when you played Madden 2001, you could unlock special things with card packs. 
And the more games you played, the more points you earned, the more card packs you could unlock. And and I didn't know that there were card packs until I had played like, you know, four different seasons worth of football in the game. So I just unlocked all the cool shit. You could run on one side of the the sideline and appear on the other side. So you could literally have the enti- an entire team chase you to one sideline and then you just transport to the other side and you just go get a touchdown or you could have a crazy long kick or whatever. But I would just play and play and play these games and unlock cards listening to Toxicity on repeat. Not taking it out, not switching out one of these other albums at the time. When it was time to listen to System of a Down, it was like methodical. I had to listen to the album two or three times in a row, digest everything, take in that there were sitars in, in, in some of their songs and steel drums and 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 tribal drums and all kinds of different levels of music creativity really going on. It expanded my mind. Like, wow, you can do so much with music. You can really talk with music in a way that until that point, you know, as a kid, I didn't really quite understand. I mean, I kind of understood it, but these guys made me think. And that's one thing I really appreciated. Now, underrated song from this album that sold me. Pretty easy. I mean, honestly. Um, ATWA, uh, although, well, I don't know what the fuck they actually call it, but ATWA is what I always call it. Um, it just has such a, there's the, 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 the melodic line that do the la 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 la's throughout. I'm not going to sing for you guys. I mean, I could, but I don't think you want to hear that. I probably don't want to do that right now. I don't know. But, you know, if you, again, if you have not gone back and listened to Toxicity, get it on your Spotify, get it wherever you listen to music and just digest it. Put headphones on. Don't just listen through your car. It's not the same experience. Put over the ear headphones, not earbuds. Don't use that shit either. Over the head earphone headphones that noise canceling as best you can and just get lost in that music just be immersed in that album it's it's a very special very special album and i mean you go to um ariel's last track of the album and there's a bonus hidden track after that you have to listen like 14 minutes before it plays that's crazy you know that they thought to do that and I know other bands have done that obviously but it was just again these guys had a vision and they executed it flawlessly it was a great sophomore album for System of a Down to release obviously after that album they would go on and release Steal This Album which I believe is like a lot of the cuts and and unused stuff from Toxicity and the first album that they reworked into new songs I could be wrong about that it could have been a whole original writing session but because that was like again still gray area before I'm really like heavy, 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 heavy into them. Uh, I do know that there were multiple versions of that album. My original uh, was one of the collector's editions, got stolen, heartbreaking. It was a cool, The CD was different because the album itself had no booklet. It was just steal this album, here's the disc. Very clever marketing, you know? Uh, but again, System of a Down. That's all I'm going to say about that. Now, another album that really changed and shaped me being a bass player was Tools Lateralis. Enough said. Schism, Lateralis, Parable and Parabola. Uh, all the different songs on the album that, that that you know, when I first heard it, it blew me away. My buddy was like, I'll, you know, I'll never forget it. Uh, this guy, Matt, 
was friends with my cousin. It was right around the time that my uncle had been killed by a drunk driver. And uh, he was spending time with me to get me away from everything that was going on in my family because he was already there hanging out. And he was like, hey, man, we'll we'll go cruise and, and I'll let you listen to these different songs. And Lateralis was one of the albums he played for me. And the first time I heard uh, Schism, I was like, whoa, that bass line is nuts and I have to learn how to play it. For a long time, I could kind of play it, not really that well. It wasn't until I was a guitar player for like 10 years that I was like, oh, I can easily play this now, and I totally know everything that's going on in this song. Um, but then Lateralis is another song that's that's great to play. In- Instrumentation-wise for the bass is so much fun. You know, those guys just released a couple new songs for the first time in like 10 years. Their 10,000 Days album came out uh, and. Eight, I think, or seven, somewhere like that, and and it's been long time since they've had an, a, a new song, a new album come out. Tools finally getting ready to release it. They've said May, uh, August thirty first, I think, is the release date for that album. But anyways, on Tool Lateralis, there's one specific song that kind of was the star, and it was not necessarily because it had the most um, epic chorus or most sing-along ability or whatever it was two things creepy factor and i loved how it builds it just builds to this fever pitch and the song is the patient so it starts off with these like really tiny like it's like really tiny sounds and then it builds and it builds and it builds and the drums come in and they have like this really awesome and then the guitar really i mean oh it's so that song sells me absolutely is one of the best, the absolute best in that uh, in that entire catalog of that band Tool. And I, again, after I became a fan of Tool, it was like listen to all of it, go get Opiate, go get Anima, you know, have have to listen to all the you know undertow releases in between everything, and the patience still. One of my all-time favorite songs in their entire catalog. I will listen to that every single day, easily. Now, a lot of these other bands I'm a big fan of. And, you know, interesting to know, I've seen Slipknot live. I have not seen any of the other acts uh, from my musical origins live. And I did get to see Slipknot when um, Joey was still alive and Paul was... Or Joey was still in the band and Paul was still alive. So... To this next band, though, they're kind of my, not guilty pleasure, but they're like my overindulgent pleasure, meaning I never stopped listening to them as obsessively as when I was a kid. Um, I remember Casey Smith was in drum with me, and he he was like, I'm listening to this band, Tenacious D, blah, 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 and I heard Wonder Boy, and I thought it was the fucking greatest song and i had to have whatever cd it was i had no idea tenacious d was a show on hbo at this time i had no idea at all but i saw them and i said i have to have it absolutely have to have that i'm gonna order it now and it was one of my orders got it and every song cracks my ass up the first time listening to it and even till this day I sing along to that album proud and loud and know every word and know every part of every sketch and you know I'll tell you what I want. I take 
two of them and put put them up your ass and give me four chicken McNuggets because there's the whole drive through sketch in there too, you know. Uh, overall, though, you know, Tenacious D grew with me. They released a movie in 2006, The Pick of Destiny, awesome. In 2000 and fuck, it was like 2013 or 14, they released Rise of the Phoenix, I think, or it might have even been 15. Um, and then this year they released Post Apocalypto, and every single song, it's just, I'm, I love it. I love Jack Black, Kyle Gass, Dave Grohl on drums. I mean, how could, that's an all star lineup of talent right there in just those three names. And they have other people that go on the road and do live shows with them and stuff. Uh, Tenacious D, you know, they're tangling ass grandpas now, but they are killing it. They are. Some tangling-ass grandpas. They got the Santa beard going on, but they still write really great music. They still can put on a hell of a show. I haven't seen them live in actuality, but I have watched several live concerts on the internet or whether it's DVD, Blu-ray, whatever. Uh, From their self-titled album, Rock Your Socks is probably my, my... The song that it wasn't necessarily a single... But it definitely sold me on their quality because it goes all over the place. It's got rock. It's got boogie woogie. It's got um, pianos. It's got classical music. Um, it's got, again, comedy in it. Tenacious D, one of those bands, they withstood the test of time. I think all, pretty much all these bands have withstood the test of time, uh, or these artists, rather. So Tenacious D, rock your socks off, self-titled. And then lastly, we got that Dr. Dre Chronic 2001. This was the one that, you know, maybe people were like, that's a weird thing, but I really loved Eminem at the time. Eminem was on Forgot About Dre. It was like, okay, easy, I'm going to buy this. And then I fell in love with that album. Again, I was very impressionable as a kid, but I think what made me impressionable is that I was willing to critique an album as a whole and not just go, I like this song, I like that song, and I like that, that's it. So, overall, I think that, you know, this might have been the weirdest pick, but it's one of the most important. And I'm going to take a quick drink break. This week brought to you by, and I don't ever get to do this because I'm not on this show typically, but this week my drink break will be brought to you by Brews with Dudes. You guys check it out every Saturday right here on the Journey into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com or on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, CastBox, Spotify, and many others. Just search Journey Into Comics Network where you get all the different shows on our feed now. Here is the drink break. So now back to it. I was saying how, you know, Dr. Dre's Chronic 2001 is very influential. It was an amazing album, tons of collaboration, so many different Busta, Exhibit, Snoop, Nate Dogg, Eminem, uh, everybody, I mean, everybody, he, he had so many different people featured killing it on that album. So many different great tracks. You know, it's hard to say what one sold me because I was so new to the rap world that they all kind of sold me for different reasons, whether it was like vulgarity or cleverness of lyrics, uh, how they were able to phrase certain parts of their flow together to literally bring a story together in such a way that blew my mind at the time. I was like, these guys are such lyricists. Like, why is no one talking about their ability, lyrically speaking? If they were in rock and roll trying to do this, people would think they were too smart for the audience. But for some reason in rap, it's just like it 
it works in a different in a different kind of setting. So again, all six of these albums did something different for me. They gave me uh, a mixture of confidence in how to play my instrument, or it gave me the okay that anything you do in music is cool, and it doesn't have to be cookie cutter to what everyone else is doing, and you can, you know, be okay with taking risks and know that the reward is going to pay off tenfold. I mean, you know, some people would say Tenacious D, comedy rock, that's not going to ever last. Fucking 20 years later, here they are. Still the best in the game. You know, that says something. Really, it does. Uh, So what do we do now? Where do we go from here? You guys kind of know my musical origins a little bit. Some of the stuff I listen to, that's really, that's just like a small brush stroke on a very large canvas of music because my tastes go all over. If I would bring up a guilty pleasure on this podcast, and I will absolutely do that. Guilty pleasure, Backstreet Boys. I don't have a fucking problem telling you that. I know it's produced fucking bullshit music, but I like it. And it doesn't matter. It's what I like. It's not what you like. It's not going in your ears. I mean, if you're in the car with me, it's going in your ears. But usually I keep that shit to myself. I try to be respectful that not everybody's down with the Backstreet Boys. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some upcoming concerts that I'm going to be going to and also some upcoming gigs that I'm going to be performing at. Uh, Coming up May 30th, I get to go see The Damned at the House of Blues in Chicago. They're going to be playing the entirety of Machine Gun Etiquette cover to cover at that show. Uh, A lot of people, you know, are huge fans of The Damned, and I'm kind of a newbie at their music, but Sarah and V really wanted to go. It was a really cool opportunity. I said, let's do it. You know, why not? It's going to be a fun experience for sure. I cannot wait to see The Damned at the House of Blues May 30th. And then two days later, we get to go to the Melody Inn in Indianapolis, a place that we have performed as Walk Among Us. In case you didn't know, I'm the drummer of Walk Among Us, the only punk rock piano tribute to the Misfits. It is possible you've heard of us. We might get into that in a minute. So, but the Melody Inn is very special to us because it's the first place that we ever played in Indianapolis proper. And June 1st, we will be seeing the Legends, T-S-O-L, True Sounds of Liberty, performing on this smaller stage in a very intimate setting. It's going to be amazing. Gay Black Republican opening for them. Some other band that isn't those two bands are also on the card. I can't remember who it is. But June 1st, it's going to be awesome. Two concerts this year that I'm going to have already seen on opera. Uh, I saw Metallica. Now I get to see The Damned and TSOL. Get some punk legends in under my belt and uh, go from there, really. Uh, now, to say, to talk about Walk Among Us for a minute, you know, let's cover this because I think it is quite topical that we did two shows in uh, Columbus and Dayton over the weekend, last weekend, and it was Friday, Saturday gigs. And something that someone said at the Saturday gig kind of festered in Sarah's brain. She's the creator of Walk Among Us, lead pianist, musical genius mind behind everything that we do. Uh, Way underrated, talented musician, you know. And somebody said, man, you guys have such a cool gimmick. And it really aided her because we aren't a gimmick. Like, sure, I get it. We 
play other people's songs, and maybe that makes you go, oh, well, they're just a tribute. But think about what we do for a second. We replace the guitars with pianos. Already not an easy feat. Not very many people would even have the balls to try that. Then we don't have a bass player to just add low end to cover up the bullshit. We are totally exposed. One of our pianos is distorted to make a fuzz. I play the drums, and we have three-part harmonies that are female-led with me doing background vocals. Okay, so we are a unique experience, but because we have the instruments that we have and we play the instruments that we fell in love with playing, side note, I didn't mention to you guys that I also play drums. I know I talked a lot about playing bass and guitar earlier in that stuff, but a couple years ago, Sarah came up to me and said, hey, I need you to play drums for this band here, blah, 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 blah. History is history. So when somebody calls us a gimmick or a shtick or, you know, that we have synth player or keys, like those are all dirty words. They really are. We're not a gimmick because we play music. How we play it doesn't make us gimmicky, you know, and I feel like maybe some people take those kind of shots and say certain words. Some people obviously just are talking and they're like, oh, it's a neat concept or, you know, shtick or whatever. And they don't know the weight of their words and how. It kind of fuels us like, fuck you, we're, we're, we're not just a, th- a shtick. Like, it is evident that we can, we can literally play any song, we can write our own songs, we can do anything, and the originality of our, our lineup, just in that alone, is, is impressive. So, we do take some offense to the idea that we are a gimmick, or, you know, just a cover band, or a tribute, or whatever, like, like, it's, it's not that it's so much more than that, but I think we're realizing that it's a little bit different than that. So I'm going to stop babbling about that and just real quick tell you guys, here's some chances where you can actually check out what the fuck I'm talking about. Shut the hell up. Put some proof to the pudding. You guys want to hear what I'm saying, hear a musical experience unlike anything you've heard before, regardless of if you like the misfits, if you like good sounding music, okay? That's all I'm going to sell you on. June 7th, we're going to be playing the Franklin House in Valparaiso, Indiana. It's a free show. Come out. It's an opportunity to really experience what we're all about in a small, tight, awesome area with a bunch of people that are ravenous for music. Just the love of music. That's the biggest thing. Love music? Come see us because you're going to love what we do. You're going to think, oh, they're just going to be some sort of hokey, you know, uh, I think about those the the Will Ferrell what's your face shtick from uh from Saturday Night Live when they're like the old people playing the pianos and trying to do the pop songs, you know, and it's like really cheesy. That's not us. Like we're gonna trick your brain to thinking you're hearing a band you're not actually seeing. And when you look up and see who's in front of you, you're gonna be like, wait, what? That's the experience. So if you want to see that, you can also see us June 14th at the Ruin in Fort Wayne. Or June 22nd in Muncie at Guardian Brewing. So we've got two Friday dates and a Saturday date coming up in June. Going to kind of have a busy June, take a little bit of a break in July, and then hit it hard August, September, October, November, December, and we'll go from there. So now that I've blown through the upcoming concerts, we've talked about my musical origins, now we're going to get into the end of the show, and I know this is a little bit of a shorter episode, but again, no co-host, nobody else. Figured Chris and Larry deserve a little bit of a break. So we're going to give it up to a local artist. 
Now, I don't think they've been played on this show particularly before, but I'm going to ensure they get played this week because they are one of my favorite bands to perform with. We've done a couple shows now with these guys. We were super grateful to have them open for us at the subterranean show that we sold out uh, back April 26th. That was a whole surreal experience. You guys can get that on Journey into Comics. I broke down like everything that happened and and dove into that whole entire day because it was it was a crazy day for sure. But Eddie and the Arsons are really unique pop punk. They have a little bit of like a Coheed and Cambria style to them. They are very serious musicians who have a lot of fun on stage. They are musically the tightest act we've played with. And that's saying something because we played with some really great acts that are really, 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 really good. But these guys just have that. I'm, I don't want to say it because it sounds pretentious, but they do have that it factor. Musically speaking, their songs kill. And I mean, we played with them at the Mutiny in June of last year and didn't know who they were. And they were super nice guys, came up to us, you know, talked want to play with you guys again. We need to play with you guys again. So we put put together this show in March of this year with them at JJ Kelly's in Lansing, and it was great. Really fun experience. Those guys were a blast to share the stage with. And it was that night that I decided I was like, of all the different bands we've tried to consider booking with us for this subterranean show, it's them. It has to be Eddie and the Arsons. And it was a great decision, man. They made fans at our show and the people that were at our show, musically speaking, are kind of hard to win over. So to have Eddie and the Arsons just slay so much, man. And I really genuinely appreciated sharing the stage with those dudes. Genuinely enjoyed performing uh, the concerts we've played with them. And, you know, obviously look forward to the future when we're going to play again. I really would love to put some kind of a show together that's like, some of our favorite acts on one card, like four bands on one card and they've all played with us, but we're not going to be on the card or maybe we would be. I don't know. I, I'm just riffing here live on the podcast because that's how I am. If you guys have never heard the Podfather Nate, I'm, I'm the tangent God because I just jump all around and my brain is a flowing track of information and whatever jumps on the track is what gets talked about. So I do want to say before we get out of here, I am going to be playing uh, the When Your Past Comes Back track. It's the newest track from Eddie and the Arsons here at the end of the episode. But before we get to the end of the episode, got to do the plugs. As always, you guys can check out Crucial Tunes every other Friday right here on the Journey Into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com. Get them on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, CastBox, TuneIn, Spotify, and many others. Just search Journey Into Comics Network. Subscribe, get all the different shows on the network. Every day of the week, content is released. We keep busy. We keep you guys on your toes, and we're always trying to give you something new and fresh every day of the week. Folks, you can also go to patreon.com backslash journey into comics. Give us a dollar for early access and exclusive content, or give us more money for more cool things. We've got a bunch of different tiers up there. It would be very helpful. We are near our first goal. I think we only need like 10 more bucks to hit our first goal, and then we're going to be looking into the next phase, which is going to be merch, 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 even more merch, 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 merch. That's the whole plan. So, folks, for this week's episode of Crucial Tunes, I have been Nate. This has been episode nine right now you guys will be listening to eddie and the arsons when your past comes back 
We'll see you later, guys. I wanted to rock the white north. Our rooms and flights were paid. But I couldn't get into the country. Cause I got a felony. If I tried to go, I would get stopped by the border patrol. Get stopped by the